Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I'm your host, Jim Hall of Brooklyn Games, here with my guest, Logar the Barbarian. Hello, I am Logar the Barbarian. And welcome back to the weird, bizarro world where Logar is the guest on his own show. Uh, and today we're going to talk about perhaps one of the, I, I think, boring parts of uh, role-playing games, <laughs> though some might disagree, shopping. Shopping. It's it's important. It's a part of the game. But um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts here? I am probably the worst person to talk to about running shopping. <laughs> I am anti-shopping you... in the game. Uh, okay. Okay. And, and what uh, brings you to that conclusion? Okay, let's let's start with magic shops. Okay. I have there is a 100% prohibition on magic shops in my games. Uh, you can't walk in and buy a magic item most of the time. Mm -hmm. If you're going to stumble on an item it's going to be probably not bought, but there are rare occasions where you can purchase a magic item. It's not going to be at a shop that sells mostly magic things. All right, it'll be uh, maybe uh, at the the manor, there is a <laughs> a relic there that you could put an offer on, and or something along those lines. Perhaps, but also like, so let's go back. Like we're 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 in like some sort of medieval time most of the time, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like you have Walmart and Target sitting around. A yep. lot of the resources are coming from people who are more directly attached to their creation. So, like, the blacksmith will be the person to go to. A magic user will more than likely have potions before somebody who runs a shop. Right. When the closest, the biggest things that I run shop-wise are usually some sort of open-air market that happens occasionally. My shops tend to not be permanent, although there may be a general store somewhere. A mm -hmm. lot of the times when you go to the small towns that we tend to visit, like uh, a perfect example is Forbidden Lands from mm -hmm. years, uh, I'm sorry, not year zero, was it Free League? It's the year zero engine role-playing game, very hex crawl based. So we were exploring there and they're looking for resources and stuff. There isn't a general store in the little town they went to, but plenty of people can make things and have access to them and... A lot of times, like, hey, I need 10 torches. I don't see torches for sale anywhere. Just, oh, I can get you 10. I can be here tomorrow. So you, it's usually a negotiation with somebody who has the ability to. Yeah. And I sometimes, a lot of times, will post, like, well, you got to meet old dude to pick your stuff up. So regular shops are my least favorite. Now, I would also try to interject the fact that I hate shopping. 90% of the times, if I'm going to be in, enjoy going to the store, it's going to be more like a bookstore or a game store. Yeah. Something more say, akin to a library. <laughs> you, hate, you hate shopping unless it's zines yeah, and books. Yeah, books and stuff like that. I can spend time looking. It's more like going to a library for me. It's interesting. Yeah. I can engage. I try to get my shopping done as uh, with as minimal amount entrance into big stores. So I spend a lot of time at the Dollar General up the street. <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> if it comes to shopping, I can get my milk and bread there. I'm in and out in two seconds. And I don't bring that over to my games. I've played in games where there's a lot of like, oh, here's the shopkeep and he can get you all these things. Yeah. Those may tend to show up, but most of the time in my games when I'm running a shop or we need, oh, we need to stock up. A lot of times it'll be between sessions. I say, okay, there's a general store. If you need to pick these things up, you can pick it up from just the regular category of things. I'm not selling wondrous items in shops. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Wondrous items are, you, you can't, 
you can't get a wondrous item, you know, over at your uh, grocery store or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. You you might get a beautiful tomato, but, you know, you're not going to get some invisibility ring or whatever. I do love the open air market thing when I do a lot of this stuff. Probably the closest thing to shopping sessions we do is a lot of times like a farmer's market in a town. Yeah. Most of my towns that I make have a town square or a plaza or whatever you want to call it where once a week or once a, however often farmers and craftsmen and others will come in to sell and peddle their wares. Yeah. And at that point in time, probably is the biggest shopping, but you're going to be running into an individual that does just one thing at a time. Yeah. And they're usually the craftsman or the, the farmer or the person who put into creating it. They use their labor. They made it. Most of the time, there are probably some traveling merchants in there mixed as well. Yeah, with your your knickknacks, and uh, you might find a magnifying glass or a jaw harp or something weird like that. Um, yeah, and you might find a magic item in that in that area with one of the people who just so happens to have something special that they think they can make a lot of money with, but it's a very controlled thing. Yeah, it's not like a whole shelf of rows and rows of yes potions and that sort of thing. Focusing in on the farmer's market, uh, town square sort of aspect. Do you run those in session or in between? Oh, usually if I'm doing that, a lot of the times when I do those little markets, those open air market type things, I do mm -hmm. run them in session. And it's all about interacting with the individual characters who are trying to sell something. Yeah. One of the things that when we do, uh, and, I, and I probably mentioned this too much, when I do a Lost Lands campaign, they have Cabby. Uh, Cabby in the Lost Lands is, is coffee. But it's named oh, Cabby. Okay. <laughs> so there will usually be a, a little uh, vendor or someone set up selling the cabbie and the cabbie beans. And and they will the person who has the cabbie available to drink there will usually also have beans available for the travelers to take with them so they can make their own on the road. I like to focus in on what personality these different shopkeeps would have and people kind of interacting with the individuals but they're going to be interacting very much on their specific thing so where is this person's background from is this a, a lone like a, a farmer just coming in from the outskirts mm -hmm. is this an adventure a traveling merchant might have more world experience than the local farmer and might have access to more niche weird obscure things they might be questionable in their ethnic and when I run them, and it may be questionable yeah. other times. They're, they're, they're ethical. To make uh, yeah. <laughs> Part of kind of what I'm getting from this is using that environment as a world building opportunity mm -hmm. or dropping some story hooks in there, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I like to think of the open air, plain air market type thing is like when I go to the Butler County Fair over here and there's mm -hmm. just lots of people wandering around taking in this. Oh, this smells good. I'm going to eat this here. So it's kind of not just there to shop. You're there to enjoy the experience of yeah. being at this 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 uh, communal collection of people coming together to spread their wares and whatnot and to yeah, and be a community and and as you're saying that all of a sudden I want a funnel cake <laughs> exactly so you got the smells of the air I usually often I'll I'll have something 
that that kicks up a delicious scent or smell that everybody's mm-hmm. checking out and usually somebody gravitates towards one of those goodies and oh i want to try this too and we focus on that yeah the uh, uh bringing a smell into the the description for some uh some reason really fleshes out the world yeah there's also this thing where feudalism i like to look at and I have actually been, I've had these three books sitting upstairs on the couch for the last week. I bought them a while ago and I've never gotten my chance to tackle them, but they're specifically on feudalism and society mm-hmm. under feudalism. I'm excited to get in there because under feudalism, it's not like we, we often bring our current economic model into yeah. game and that's not what would have been, but wrapping my head around how it was before this current capitalist system was can sometimes be a little baffling because we're so used to the way things are, it's conditioned. Yeah. We've we've learned it well, the ins and outs. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that kind of brings up a question that I had is: um, Do you ever work without gold or without you know coins, um, like a purely barter system? Is that something yeah. that players ever encounter? Oh, often, often. So there's there's often a lot of times the barter system itself too will be with encounters that aren't in the shop it's like okay yeah like in my recent game there's somebody that needs something they want a certain book and there's there's a quest and they want something mm-hmm. from this wizard who's needing this book so the barter system itself like the bartering is like okay yeah. that's the macguffin give me this oh yeah. it, it is it becomes the macguffin so Okay, I need to get this healing potion from them. What do I got to do to get it? Well, I got to bring them back this thing that's going to take me a while to go adventure for. So I do the bartering mostly in that way to send them on an adventure that's just kind of disconnected from the rest of the game. And so it's a little different from shopping, but (laughs) but kind of serves the same role of getting goods into the, the the player's hands if you want something especially that's out of the out of the norm i'm usually gonna send you out to go get it somehow or get something yeah. related it's like okay i need a cha- exchange you have to do this for me now shopping itself i mostly r- limit that to a lot of times just your basic equipment lists in whatever game we're yeah. running yeah and i'm, I'm kind of interested in it's kind of weird but like that basic application of you know what 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 do your players go for you know what is needed what resources do they need as they're going on their adventures and um do you play with that resource management aspect of the game i do to some extent perhaps not as strict as some games do mm-hmm. um I find that like some of the newer rules like games, like look at the mouse ritter resource is is wonderful. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I try to be like, okay, think about this. If you got five weapons, how are you carrying them? Because I, you know, I've, I've carried an M16A2 service rifle carrying an extra weapon. I can't, it's like, really? (laughs) You got the one weapon takes up a lot of hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot yeah. of space carrying more than a single weapon is not very feasible yeah it's not like in a video game where you go yeah <laughs> and there's a new uh, weapon that comes out every single time you move your arm uh, and the packs can get cumbersome like you yeah. got an alice pack on there's only so much you can be able to fit in there I, I i can fit a lot into an alice pack 
but it's it's a cumbersome heavy thing and if you're trying to throw multiple weapons in there as well i'm gonna question that a yeah. little bit i usually uh, maybe having knives strapped all, all over your body that's one that's a different thing but a uh, couple knives could work only so many because after a while it gets to be a mu- bit much to handle but like definitely bigger <laughs> weapons i will be like okay you got a ranged uh, a hand-to-hand weapon and you got like a bow or something that i will be like that's fine that you can yeah. strap that somewhere but usually it's abstract <laughs> so thinking about like dungeon delving mm-hmm are you a, a torch tracker? You know, do is that a is darkness playing a big uh, aspect in your games? So I'm going to say yes and no. It depends on the game I've run because I've done it many different ways. Right mm-hmm. now, the way we're running, we're running castles and crusades, but we're using a lot of our rule set from old school essentials and swords and wizardry because I really like the stuff they do in there, and I can easily yeah. port rule sets into C and C from anywhere. So right now we are definitely keeping track of how long your torches are, how many rounds and turns we're going till it extinguishes. So it's Mm -hmm. as, as players are learning as the, because this they've only been doing their first dungeon delve the last week or so they've not gone into a dungeon. And I do tend to get dungeon heavy ish at times. It's usually up to the players to make that happen. (laughs) I mean, I I think a lot of games kind of work really well in dungeons. Like that's like kind of, I mean, Dungeons and Dragons, that's yes. what it's designed around. So so I, I like doing the rounds and turns. It's, it helps keep track of torches easier and helps keep keep a hold of that. Now, I've definitely done a lot of games where I haven't followed it as well. I think at the end of the day, it depends on your group and the party you're playing with and what's going to work with them and what they're mm-hmm. able going to be able to do. I can't say there's a one size fits all for every game. Sometimes tracking that kind of stuff is good for a game, and sometimes it's yeah. not. <laughs> well, the the impression, and this isn't really how I uh, run games, but the impression that I get is that there, there's like a rhythm of going into the dungeon and then doing the shopping and re yes stocking up again and then going back in and kind of knowing what you know. And, and I think that in the old school style of play, that is is like one flow that people go through, but um. Yeah, um, it sounds like uh, you you sometimes do that, or you maybe done that sort of thing. I I will at times. Um, there are times where it's like, okay, I I don't want to leave the dungeon. I don't. So we're gonna have to figure other things out. And sometimes I will leave, just scatter resources throughout the dungeon as yeah. treasure. I'm like, okay, if you go in here, you're gonna find X Y Z because you need it. Here's and a dead adventurer with five torches or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the kind of thing I will lead into. It depends on if I want them going in and out of this dungeon or like like when I ran the the what was it the the Stonehill Mountains uh adventures. Okay. I didn't really want and that's a that's Lost Lands from Frog God. It's a pretty big dungeon. I didn't want them going in and out of it a lot because I would take me too long to get through what we were trying to get through. So I kind of made sure there was resources scattered. There were a few parts where they had a hard time getting past like a locked door that was magically sealed, but I made sure there were places where we could pick up some resources here and there. So they didn't have to retreat out of the dungeon. Yeah. It depends on the game and what I'm going for. It can be fun to be like, we're going in, you only do a little bit and you're going out. At that time, I'm less concerned about getting through vast amounts of dungeons. And a lot of those dungeons at times you're going in and out tend to get abandoned and never explored from my experience to the fullest extent. There's so much more you can get into. 
but that's yeah. any dungeon you run in, really. <laughs> and then uh, torches don't really matter when you have like a light cantrip or something like that that yeah. you can really easily you know, hang it out. Magic users can can make that a big difference with food, uh, rations, keeping track of that as well. And a lot of times, like I said, I, I, I've got people getting a lot of those things from local farmers and stuff like that. People that are interacting with, hey, well, can you or trying to make them on their own, make those resources as well. We're coming close to time. <laughs> yeah, thanks for, for all this insight. I mean, shopping is a big part of the game. And um, it's kind of interesting to kind of see how you do or rather don't do shopping, um, if you will. Yeah, it's not a big focus of mine, unfortunately. <laughs> Maybe sometimes people fixate on it a little too much. And what really what we got to do is go and go into the dungeon and have an adventure. That's that's what we're here for. Right? I, I, I will say this. I definitely have had players that lean into that type of thing, shopping and want to do it. And and the act of playing that shopkeeper and stuff like that is things that they enjoy. I can always pick up an NPC and do those interactions. Yeah. It's it's that that I feel is the strong point that you can create in a shopping experience is having like, oh, oh, oh and maybe some bartering and stuff, which is just running an NPC and knowing their interests. It's similar yeah. to like faction play or anything else. Just as a DM, you got to be ready for that. <laughs> and using that uh, to like build out the, the world and, and yes. make it feel real. Right? Yes. So. Well, thanks for your insight. Turn it over to you to wrap it up. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at LogarHaleCrom. We are on Patreon. We can really use the support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. Where can we find Brooklyn Games? You can find uh, my work over at Patreon.com slash Brooklyn Games or on Twitter at Brooklyn Games. Stop by, say hi. And as always, keep those dice rolling.